welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home every day from there. And now, the star of our show... Gene Galvin and his sidekick, Maury, oh, Jerry Springer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great, because I didn't coach her to do that, no. (laughs) Jerry Springer's the star of the show. I was just saying, before the show, you kidding me? I was just saying, because we do a lot of chit-chatting with the audience here. It's kind of a cool place, folks will coffee parlor. And retirement came up. Your retirement, no. you, which you're not planning to do. No, you better hope I don't. I know. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I keep marking down how many quarters. Do they quarters have a tent I, city around here that you could go to? If, I hope. Yeah. I live in a trailer down by the river already, yeah. but I might have to go to a you're tent. But I'm on close your, on my quarters yeah. for Social Security. So. Yeah. So who was on your show today? You were telling us about oh. a person that was, uh, well, she was sucking really, helium or something? Well, it sounded like she was because <laughs> um, she had a very high voice. I told her she should try to get a job uh, doing sound or audio, yeah, like for true. cartoons. For yeah, yeah, because she talked like this the whole time. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, you know, I asked, "Do we have a helium tank backstage?" And she yeah. said, "No, just you know." But that's how it's they, You go back there. There's like a cloud of smoke. Really, backstage? Oh. You could you you can get high just by going backstage. Uh, no, you don't want to be saying. I that. don't do that, but because that they would may be wrong. say they're smoking they, weed. Yeah, they just they're not. Out, let's be clear about yeah. this. They are not doing that on right. your show. Right. No. They might do it on coming over yeah. or at home or get real high before they leave Iowa, and then they just get show. high on the excitement of being <laughs> right. on the show. How this is going to change their life in a positive way. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Every you know, day some... at 10, 12, and 2. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something really horrible happened in Cincinnati. We record oh, yeah. the podcast across the river from Cincinnati, Ludlow, Kentucky. We can out the window almost see the skyline of Cincinnati, so we're close. So, uh, And by the way, thank you to Bonnie Williams, who is sub, uh, subbing for Megan tonight. If people are wondering... Megan is had two weeks where she had to do uh, traveling for her day job. She's a uh, HR manager for a sizable regional company in the Midwest. Does she ever give up her day job because she has to travel for her night job? No, she shouldn't have to. That's that's her profession. This is what something, is this? This is um, her profession. Yeah, let's uh, talk yeah. to her about this. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Thank so you. Bonnie Williams, You're who welcome. is my spouse, is here, and we appreciate her you doing that. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to raise something with Bonnie that's actually kind of serious. In Cincinnati, this hasn't really made national news, but there is a wonderful high school called Withrow High School. Right, Bonnie? Yes. And you graduated from there back in? 65. 1965. Yesterday, two days ago, over the weekend, some whack job who wore a mask, was fully disguised, kind of ninja style, went on this incredible campus. It is an amazing campus, isn't it, Bonnie? It's like a college campus. Yes, very nice. And it's been very well kept up. Oh, yes. And this person went on campus and first, he or she knew what he or she was doing, spray-painted the surveillance camera near the football field, I think you determined that... It was the boys' gym. Okay. It's the video that I saw of him. 
okay. of the person. Disguised yes. or Disguise, uh, concealed. Yeah. And then this person spray painted some nasty stuff. Swastikas, the N-word everywhere, really ugly, you know, makes you think alt-right, you know, crazy Nazis, white supremacists. And then wrote Trump on a sign near where all this was happening. Now, look, what we don't know is whether this is a, quote, dirty trick, whether somebody's trying to make it look like a Trump supporter. Yeah. We don't know any of that because an investigation is now happening. But uh, alums, Bonnie, right? And because yes. of your dance teaching schedule, you couldn't join them. But yes. what did they do then? Um, we all got, well, I wasn't part of it, but they got together and it was a marvelous turnout. We're there at the school a Monday morning when it opened greeting the kids, and then, in addition, came in the afternoon and said, and were there to support the kids. And there is, you may have seen this too, Jerry, a spectacular bridge that goes yeah. across a little gully, yeah. uh, a wonderful grassy kind of uh, gully that goes to the door of the school, and it was on that bridge. People lined that bridge Well, yeah, it's, it's actually a bridge, and then the front entrance to the school where the tower is and yeah. then the front entrance. So it's all one big entrance into the school. It's the, the main entrance. And it's once quite again, spectacular. It, just, it, it makes the point of what crazy times we're in. But what's where... neat, what's neat, because this, it's obviously horrible. Yep. What, you know, that guy or woman, whatever it was, whoever it was, what was done. But what's really neat, and it kind of blends into, you know, what happened this past weekend is we're really starting to see the American people in all communities, all kind of yeah. communities, standing up and saying, no, this, isn't, this is not yeah. the way our country does business. That's not us. And uh, it, it's nice to see that, that pushback. That's in, a good in point. Millions. I mean, you know, like you guys just thought there was no, hey, how are we going to deal with this? You know, it's not like you have a program. If something like this happens, this is what we do. It was a spontaneous response, as, as were the marches this yeah. weekend. By the way, we're uh, recording this um, on this, the third day of the Trump presidency. Yep. And so, you know, it's right after the weekend of all the uh, protest marches around the country, indeed around the world. Millions of people yeah. and... What is really nice is they all were peaceful marches. Yep, and I we'll mean, dig really, into that in yeah, a minute. Yeah. And uh, by the way, we have Casey Campbell coming on. Who? Oh, is, no. And let's hear it for Casey. Yay! Casey Campbell. He's the best. He's our He's music coordinator. We he love is. Casey. He yes. went with us, our team, to uh, Cuba last April, I guess, late May. He's great. Uh, he is so talented. May. Very yeah. talented. And... Uh, and we also shave, though. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to get a Skype seat for the podcast. Do you guys know what the Skype seat is? How expensive is it? No, it's free. <laughs> Fair question. Fair yeah. question. <clears throat> no, here's what it is. The other day, look, Donald Trump is uh, trying to kind of stick it to the media wherever he can. Yeah. And we ought to touch on. The incredible, I'm going to draw you out on that too today, Jerry, of what Trump said about 5 million, up to 5 million people voted illegally, and that's why he lost uh, the uh, popular vote. But uh, If they voted, I think actually that's, if there were 5 million illegal votes, wouldn't it be great to find out that those people actually 
um, had had voted for him, so now he l loses this is by Michigan, more. Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and so he didn't even win the Electoral oh, I College. That. Yeah, I so you better watch it. Uh, but anyway, so he's looking for ways to stick it to the media. And one thing that they did, he and Sean Spicer, his press secretary, about five days ago said, well, we're going to move the briefings from this cozy little room that's in the White House, and it's adjacent to the hub of all the activities. Yeah. It's in the epicenter. We're going to take it across the street, still on the White House campus, but to this room that can hold 500 people. Well, they're just trying to mess with the traditional sure. legacy media people. So they didn't do that. And now <clears throat> what they're doing is calling on people in a different order. They're not honoring the tradition of calling on right. the AP first and the big TV network. So they're calling on small entities. It's just kind of amusing to watch them. But then they came up with this idea, which actually could be kind of cool. I'm going to give them some credit. Skype seats. Every press briefing might be three Skype seats, which means that somebody out in the hinterland can get a question on national television through the cable yeah. entities that cover this. And that's the Skype reporter for the day. Well, it's a person who is uh, who does citizen journalism or a small newspaper or TV station, but they get access not by traveling to D.C., but they come in over Skype. That's a good idea. It is a great idea, and good I am idea. now initiating the process to get us to get a Skype seat. Oh, yeah, you'll get a question. <laughs> and... I talk to our team. I have this meeting every Monday with our podcast If I were you, team. I wouldn't let them know where you are. Oh, no, no, no. No, it's going to be you. It's the Jerry Springer. It's not the Gene Galvin yeah. podcast. Okay, next question, Jerry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I am going to go through the process whenever they get it set up to try to get a question for yeah. you to ask at one of those briefings via Skype. That's yes. how they'll do it. Yeah. And on our website, we're going to put up a little spot where you can go feed in a question. So the question you asked might be one from one of our listeners. There you go. So. Very good. One other quick thing on the website, Jerry. Donald Trump or Kellyanne Conway said a few days ago, he's not going to release his taxes. Nobody cares. And then, I don't know if she got taken to the woodshed, but now she's saying, well, he will after the audit. Yeah. We don't know whether he will or won't. But it's on our website now, a link to the petition, which yeah. is on the White House website. Yeah. It was 200,000 and counting the other day. You only need 100,000 to get on the website there. So right. we're, we're pushing that as well. I don't think he'll ever release it, you know, unless it's t tangential to some law lawsuit against him, where okay. it would have to be produced to. in a court of law. In other words, if they find some conflict of interest in one of his properties and that gets comes up in a deposition or something. So I think it'll be that. I don't think he's ever going to stand up because basically what he's saying is, screw you guys. I'm not, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. He's got a Republican Congress. He figures he's impeachment proof. I just think, you know, until they take him away in handcuffs, you know, he's going to continue doing what he wants to do, which by the way, some things he's done in the first two or three days aren't that bad. I think what we're seeing is we are seeing that there are three political parties now in America, major parties. And you, you have the liberal Democratic Party, the more conservative Republican Party, and you have a nationalist party. He's the leader of this, or at least the face, of this nationalist movement, which is right-wing on a lot of cultural race issue, issues, and but on some domestic issues, 
closer to the Democrats than the Republicans. Infrastructure, for example. for example. So it's kind of interesting because if the Democrats get together with Trump, for example, on infrastructure spending or uh, even on some of these trade deals, the votes are going to come from the Democrats for him. And so they're sticking it to the Republicans. So th- this could all be interesting. It's him, the person, that is the scariest notion of all. I still think we have ways to protect ourselves against some of the worst policies he can have. How unusual is it for a president yesterday, which is where this started, where he said to a, a bipartisan gathering, I guess in the White House, that um, he thought that he had won the popular vote by three, uh, by he had won it because there were three to five million people, illegals as he put it, who voted? I don't remember. That would wouldn't that be a scandal? Of well, huge proportion. It's obviously not true, but here's what the media and, and and there are two reasons why he could have done it. One, he obviously knows that it's not true, but it's part of his strategy. Keep everybody arguing up here, so all of a sudden we're not saying how come he didn't release his taxes. Um, you know how how come he's whatever his issues are, or some of these um, cabinet appointments that he's trying to get through. It diverts attention away because we're now all talking about the absurdity that there were three to five million votes, and otherwise he would have won the election. That's the one possibility. The other possibility is, and I'm, I'm trying not to be disrespectful here, but he may have a real mental problem. I mean, he, you know, he is a narcissist, and there could really be some psychological problem issue with him that we all kind of laugh away that's trump he's that crazy barker that carnival guy television guy in fact he's not stable and you know he's leading the free world and he's you know he may not be stable so he says some of this and he cannot deal with the issue that he lost the vote of the people He's the president because until we find out that that he was in cahoots with the Russians, if he was or whatever, he is legitimately the president. But he is not legitimately the leader of this nation because he lost by three million votes and he can't handle that. He is an illegitimate president. He's a minority president. Yes, we have never in American history ever had someone who actually was the president have lost the vote by that much. Right. Few people have lost it in case yeah, of four or five hundred votes in yes, Florida. Yeah, but three million. Yeah, I mean, so and he can't deal with the fact that we all know that the American people didn't really want him; they didn't vote for him, and that's hard for him. He and he can't handle it, and he gets angry, and then he gets angry, of course, because the pictures came out of his inauguration, which was sparsely attended. And I by mean, comparison, honestly, by comparison. well, even before. When they were taking the pictures, because I watched his speech, and when they were taking the pictures there, I would before it became an issue, I was just observing. I said, wow, that's I've never seen an inauguration where the place isn't packed. The fact is, people didn't show up. And it was the worst, even if I was a diehard Republican, it was the worst inaugural speech in our lifetime. It was dark. The term America first, there's a history to that term. And I assume it was Bannon who wrote that part. 
But America first is a code word. In the 1930s, the America first movement, whose leader was Charles Lindbergh, was not only isolationist, but anti-Semitic, did not want America to fight Hitler, was friendly with Hitler. They had that uh, priest, Coughlin, who, I mean, racist bigotry of the worst kind. This predated McCarthy. This was horrible stuff. And it was the America First movement. It was a white supremacist, isolationist movement. And his whole speech is America First, America First, which is a signal to them, we're back. And none of it included minorities, other religions, telling the rest of the world basically to go to hell. It was such a dangerous speech, so dark, to insult every American past president who was there. To call America carnage? Really? You stand up at the seventh inning stretch and tell me how much you love America? And you think it's okay that an American president tells the world that our nation is carnage? Do you really believe? I'm not saying there couldn't be a neighborhood or some horrible things that happen in a country of 320 million people. But does anyone really believe that our country is carnage? You know, because if you think our country is carnage, then stop sending our sons and daughters to fight and die for this. Why would you fight and die for carnage? What an insult to America. It was a dark, dark, horrible speech that has real consequences. And one of the consequences we're seeing now, which isn't being much reported on, he said in two or three separate talks within the past month, including the past week, he was talking about energy. We ought to take Iraq's oil. I don't know if any of you saw that. And when he was talking about Rex Tillerson, who, you know, obviously was head of um, Exxon, uh, as Secretary of State, Rex was in the audience. Hey, you know how to go take their oil. You've been doing it for years. We're going to go and take their oil. So you think, oh, that's just a joke. But it's not, and here's why. Right now, as we speak, we have thousands of American soldiers fighting ISIS in Iraq, with the Iraqi soldiers by our side helping us. The Iraqi soldiers, they happen to be Muslims. And there has always been the suspicion that America's involvement in the Middle East, including going into Iraq with George Bush, was because we wanted the oil. Remember? Well, America's just in there. It has nothing to do with Saddam Hussein. We just want to get the oil. That happened not to be true. With all my complaints about George Bush, I really believe he went in because he thought America should be spreading democracy, et cetera, and he thought there were weapons of mass destruction. Totally wrong, but that's what he thought. I don't think George Bush was a bad human being. He made a terrible judgment, but not maliciously. And he wasn't going in to get oil. And we have been trying to tell the Muslim world as we look for allies, look to show that America doesn't discriminate in terms of religion, that we would never do that. Let me tell you something. 
First of all, the taking of Iraqi oil, the nationalistic America first, we will take what we want, everything good for America. First of all, it's a war crime. He suggested, our president has now suggested what is a war crime, to go into another country and to take their resources for ourselves. So that's a war crime to begin with. And secondly, think of what those soldiers that are now with Americans by their side thinking, because they're getting shot at. So the Iraqi soldiers are saying, holy crap. We're here, we're shooting at the ISIS, they're shooting back at us, and damn it, these Americans, as soon as this is over, they're going to come in and take our oil. We got rid of Saddam Hussein so we could get his oil? I thought we went in there because he was gassing his own people, he was doing terrible things to his own people, we were going to save Iraq and give him a democracy. And now Trump is saying, he's president of the United States, he's not a talk show host. He's not just making comments. That's policy. So the rest of the world hears this. First, they hear that he's not going to back NATO because screw the rest of the world. It's America first. We're not spending our money to help Europe. So Europe's uh, uh, worried. And then obviously Mexico's worried because all the things he said about Hispanics. And now, not only does he say, you know, what he said about Muslims and here in America, and maybe we need a registry and we're going to do that. The Muslim world is real suspicious about whether we're trying to make the whole world Christian, whether this is the Crusades again, whether this really is a war against Islam. And when you have American politicians saying you can't trust the Muslims, don't you think that helps recruit young Muslims to join ISIS? That's the whole message. So they put out on their websites, look, even the American president, he makes fun of Islam. He's going to have a registry. He thinks your religion is trash. And by the way, he's in the Middle East because he's going to take your oil. So it's not just, oh, what's tonight's headline? This guy is jeopardizing the security of the United States of America. These words mean something, even though Trump may not mean it. He just thinks he's being funny, but he's so uneducated in world politics that he doesn't understand the last thing you do is to say to the Islamic world, which is on the news tonight, that the American president is talking about taking the Iraqi oil. It's insane. You know, This no, guy's dangerous. No less than Charles Krautheimer, who is a right-wing pundit on Fox News said tonight when they were analyzing his saying, Trump saying three to five million illegals voted and that's how he lost the popular vote. Krautheimer said the guy has a uh, character issue. You, now, you, you're calling it, well, he's clearly a narcissist. Yeah. They, we may be dealing with kind of a wacky guy, a, a dangerously wacky guy. Because three to five million illegal votes in a national election, as one reporter said today at the briefing, uh, that is a scandal. Biggest bigger, in American biggest history. Biggest in American history. In, a, in elections. Scandal. In elections. Yeah, biggest political scandal in so American history. It is, and God, what scares me the most is that maybe we're just creating a new normal, and that's wrong. That the new normal is, well, this guy's nuts. 
Well, you know, and but but his forty percent. By the way, this week, later this week, I think they do it about every week. Gallup and others will do, and Quinnipiac will do polls on his favorability. I think it's going to be pretty low. I think it's 37 again, 40 at most. I don't know how he – after that crack today, about 3 to 5 million people, there are a lot of people scratching their heads, yeah. government people as well as average citizens. And this also in this – you know, this is a battle in this, on this planet for the hearts and minds. If you say yep. you're worried about terrorism, you're worried about, you know, in this battle for the hearts and minds, we have now given Putin another talking point. I oh, know. Don't you believe a second there's garbage about American democracy. democracy. Yeah. Listen to the people. They're basically saying to America, don't you ever lecture us again about having free elections, having a free press and all that, because your own president admits that the whole election is rigged that it's all illegal votes that you guys put in office, whoever you want to put in office. That's that's the cutting he's, stuff right there. He's killing us. He's destroying the immigrant. He calls us carnage, that the American election is, a, is fraudulent, that Islam is a fraudulent religion, that we're going to steal the oil from Iraq. I mean, no wonder people are in the streets demonstrating. Well, yeah, and we got you all fired up and ready to go. We got you right where we want you. So, so now, I am. So I want to ask you. I one am other announcing thing. today my candidacy. I want to ask you something. Uh, you keep beckoning these people to call our podcast and leave these messages, and then they always mm -hmm. say, don't play them, and you're always just sort of discounting that and disregarding the lawyer's advice. Play it, play it, play it. So we got one. We got a bunch from Melania Trump, and now we're getting some from uh, Kellyanne Conway. She heard and we what got I just said. One. I don't no. know. No, this was a, oh. a, a message. I haven't actually heard it yet. David oh. told me. Went on the answering machine a night or two ago. Yeah. And but I think it relates to what we're going to get you all jacked up about, which is the which are the protests that happened on last Saturday. Okay. Before just for a second, before you, we're going to. You're saying we're going to play it. Yes. I just want well, to say, did I don't you know. see her dress on the inauguration? <laughs> Somewhere in Washington, D.C., there was a bellhop walking around without <laughs> his outfit. Or as my daughter Lindsay said, oh, yes. Lindsay lives uh, in a very diverse community in, in Orlando, Florida, and she has a lot of gay friends uh, and, and other friends, and so she said, that's what happened that's what happens when you uh, lose all your gay friends. Your gay friends would never let you go to the oh, inauguration right. dressed like that. No. They would yeah. be the ones that would say, Kellyanne, girl, you can't wear that to that inauguration. That was, yeah. Unbelievable. That was part of the diversion. Don't worry about the war in Iraq because look at <laughs> yeah. Kellyanne's dress. Kellyanne, yeah. Anyway, let's play the opening. Yeah. And let's see what we got here and uh, if it's too uh, controversial. This is Kellyanne Conway. Called us the other night. Hello, Jerry. This is Kelly M. Conway. We're bypassing the lying media, and we're going straight to shows like yours to tell Americans that there were, in fact, 124 million people on the mall at the inauguration. I know this because I was there, and I saw the crowd stretching from speaker's platform all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina. I personally saw Dr. Martin Luther King, Ronald Reagan, Elvis Presley. Now, I know he's taken on quite a bit of weight, but our voters still love him. And, of course, the greats, Annette Funicello. 
I was told that Frank Sinatra was not there and that, in fact, he is dead. Hmm. I'm also directing you to tell your listeners that no citizen is permitted to watch or read the following. Chuck Todd, George Stephanopoulos, David Brock, Edward R. Murrow, and Walter Cronkite. The only acceptable watching would be Fox News and or Thank you again, Jerry. And I'm still waiting for my tickets that you said you were going to send me. And by the way, Melania says hi. Thanks. Well, well. Callie-Ann Conway, she didn't say we couldn't play it, so yeah. we just went ahead and played uh, yeah, it. And we just well, we would play it yeah. anyway. And, and Melania did, <clears throat> did say hi to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Her dress was beautiful. Yeah. No, no, Bonnie, I'm just saying, because he, he said it. I mean, she had, I she, agree. Had, she looked very nice. Yeah, she, yeah. She, yeah, I have no bad words to say about Melania. So uh, last Saturday, you were in Orlando, yep. or pardon me, Sarasota, Florida. I was in Cincinnati. Uh, Bonnie, who is a dance teacher, was teaching or would have joined me, I know, because it, it was amazing. Uh, Casey Campbell was in Cincinnati. Matt Ford, our social media yeah. director, was in uh, New York City. So just on our own small team, we had people with eyes on a lot of places. It was great. Last Saturday was kind of stunning, would you say? It Analyze w- it a little bit. And Have we ever seen anything like this in history? Uh, the answer is no. It was by far the largest, largest uh, protest demonstration at the inauguration or the inaugural weekend of a president. Not even close. There are now four inaugurations where there were protests at all. Two by Nixon, uh, George Bush in 2000 or 2001 when he gave this, his inaugural address. But that, that was the largest one up to now, and that was because of the disputed you know, election returns, and there were about 20,000. This, what, a, a quarter of a million in, in, in New York, a quarter of a million uh, or more in Chicago, L.A., same number, um, Sarasota, Florida, where I am, Mickey and I are, it was, I thought there were a bunch of, many, you know, a whole bunch of thousands and the republican paper you know the herald the sarasota herald there said ten thousand people in sarasota and it was it was such a great feeling i mean it was totally peaceful it just happened it wasn't like it was organized there was a thing in the paper because there was news that people were gonna you know so people just started showing up and there were Women bringing, you know, their babies in strollers and, well, everything. You've, we've all seen the pictures now. What I liked about it, it wasn't some organization putting this all together, setting up stands and stuff like that. It was just people congregating. And then we walked across the bridge and back. And I was then in touch with you and you were doing the same thing in, in Cincinnati and wherever, in all 50 states, in other countries, in London and Paris. And what was amazing is not only, you know, after the inaugural speech, which was sparsely attended, and, you know, Trump went crazy. How could you show those pictures, you know? But it was sparsely attended for an inauguration. And then all of a sudden you have millions showing up for the protests. What was neat about that is that, first of all, he'd only been president for not yet one day. 
Now, when there were protests historically against Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon, for example, there were major protests, of course, but they had already been president for a bunch of years, and they were protesting the Vietnam War and stuff like that. And so the fact that why would there be millions of people protesting Donald Trump on his first day in office? Think about that. That means America is afraid because it couldn't have been on anything he'd done, right? He just got into office. So this whole protest was based on the fear of what this man represents, even if, if he's not evil himself. Because truthfully, I don't know what's in his mind. And I, and I mean that. I, you know, if he wasn't in politics and... You didn't know that he said some of these things about women like that. You know, you think, well, there's another guy, successful businessman, etc. But millions of people protesting on what they think he's going to be, that tells you something. And by the way, before you go off that point, they, and we put this on our website, put a link on our website to the Women's March website. Uh, it was started by one woman in Hawaii. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. And then it just caught on. It just yeah. sort of Barack Obama's in. place of birth. Correct, yes. And <clears throat> they have this thing called 10 in 100. Yes. Do 10 things within the first 100 days. Yeah. So they want to make sure that this doesn't just stop after last Saturday. So we've listed those out. Actually, they've only revealed the first one, the first one of the 10. It is to get a postcard. So if you go and you click on our website, it'll link you over. Yep. And you click... You can print out this postcard, and then it gives you some counsel on some verbiage you can put on there, but it's to go to your senator. They yes. want these to go to your senator. And next, they want you to shoot a shot, screenshot on your camera, and then post it on social media. So by the millions, these exactly. cards are going to roll in, and the people who did this in Cincinnati – there were there were so many people in Cincinnati, and there were thousands. I'm guessing there might have been ten thousand there because when the march started, and I was on my bike bicycle, I was so because I was shooting some video, and I was able to get all around it and look at it and watch its flow. There were people returning from the route, which was a pretty good route, before the last people even started yeah. it. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. It reached full circle. Yeah. yeah, it was the same thing in Sarasota. We have that big, you know, we're really, yeah. we have the big bridge. And people are walking across and already coming back. And it was amazing. so great. Everyone was saying, hey, hey. Although, yeah. as the, some cars are coming, a lot of cars coming over the bridge. And to be honest, Sarasota is a pretty Republican place. And like, one, there was a Bentley coming by. but Not you? Not mine. But you gave a thumbs up to it. Well, the person in the Bentley gave a thumbs up, and it said, a Bentley Democrat! <laughs> yeah, see, and I ran over and hugged him. Yeah, yeah, it was great. you probably did, yeah. yeah. No, hey. but then there was another car coming by, and I, it, I mean, it just struck me as the... It was a, an elderly woman. Yeah. And coming by in her car, you know, in, you know, in her upper 70s, 80s, whatever, just a nice little old lady. Yeah. And the whole way coming across the bridge, she's going, she's giving us, giving everybody the finger. No kidding. And you want to say, <laughs> you're a grandmother. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you hate people? Why would you hate women that just, you know, want to have a friendly government, 
don't, yeah. don't want to have the government against them. And where, where does that hate come from? Yep. You know, because it was the most peaceful march. It wasn't people throwing rocks, no screaming. Yeah. There were no F words in any of this. Right. You know, there was one thing referring to a small cat. But um, <laughs> I thought it was a brilliant strategy because but other than the, the so-called uh, cat hats, and another word is used, yeah. is uh, that that was a clever way to say this president, uh, yeah. this president used yeah. that term freely. Oh, sure. He didn't use it openly. We know that. Yeah. But he got caught in yeah. that situation yeah. referring to the uh, video that was shot of him and Billy Bush. So I want to draw out of you also... Um, where this goes from here, because we saw the Tea Party uh, kind of evolve five years ago, seven years ago or more. And now this looks like it could be because it's full of heart. You could feel it. All, all these places you talked about, it's not like you had to tell us. You could feel it if you were there. These yeah. people were motivated. Here's the good news. This Here's what I think is good news. Uh, our history, clearly in the last hundred years. Oh, by the way, speaking of the... Now, I can speak to the last 68 years because 68 years ago today, I arrived in America. Wow. Thank you wow. so much. Yeah. Yeah. It was January 24th, 1949, stepping off the Queen Mary. But in fairness, I, I was five years old. I didn't know Trump was going to be president. Yeah, I was going to say. Because I may have taken the return trip. Yeah, I, I got you. I didn't have to get off the ship. <clears throat> no. No. Anyway, how did I get on that? Oh, in American history, at least the last hundred years, when protests start, initially, they're a bunch of crazies. They're, what are they doing? You know, they're outside the mainstream. Oh, stop it. Just behave yourself. Cut your hair. Get back to work. Go to school. Just take a bath. And... Take every one of these movements started out like that. And let me tell you the effect that these marches have. You can start in 1912 with the suffrage movement. It started out. And can you imagine everyone getting on these women, everybody getting on these women saying, what are you doing talking about getting the vote, walking down our streets? They were heckled by the men, get back to the kitchen, you know, all this stuff. That was 1912. By 1920, the Constitutional Amendment to give women the right to vote. 1932, they had what they call the bonus riots. You see, American soldiers during World War I were told that they would get a pension when they retired. But of course, by 1929, the Depression hit, and they couldn't wait. So they started to gather in Washington and set up tents. And these were veterans saying, we want our pension now. We can't wait. And they were there for days, weeks. Finally, actually, it was General McCarthy that was sent in with troops to move them out. But out of that protest movement came the GI Bill, which after World War II, is responsible for the middle class we have today because the GI Bill made sure that every soldier that came back from World War II, which are our parents, grandparents, whatever, that they would be able to get a college education and get a job and get housing. 
So that protest worked. We all know the March on Washington, 1963, Martin Luther King. And all the problems that we're, we're having in that whole movement of the March in Selma. But what happened after that huge march on Washington? Sure enough, within two years, we had the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, the Public Accommodations Act. So we started to have some equality of the races. People started to protest against Lyndon Johnson. Now, I was involved in that. As a Democrat, the president of our own party, Johnson had won the election in a landslide in 1964, one of the largest landslides ever. So it was assumed, of course, he's going to win for re-election in 68. But then we had the buildup in Vietnam, and all of us were going to Vietnam. We all knew someone who was getting killed over there because we had the draft. So we started a protest against the president of our own party, Lyndon Johnson. And we got behind, whether it was Gene McCarthy or Bobby Kennedy, to beat the president of the United States in our own party to try to beat him in the primaries. Huge anti-war demonstrations all around the country. And everyone saying, oh, those rebel rousers, they're burning their draft cards, cut your hair, your hippies, all this stuff. And you know what? Those marches toppled Lyndon Johnson. And so he dropped out of the race. Richard Nixon, the Vietnam War continues. 1973, huge protests up to that time at his inauguration. And then more and more protests all around the country. Moratorium Day. Moratorium Day. And what happens? The next year, Nixon resigns from office. The protests against George Bush in the Iraq War. After 9-11, no one would protest against the administration. We all were united. But then we saw what was going on in Iraq made no sense. And so the protests took to the streets, demonstrations, and what happened? We got out of Iraq. We elected president in 08 that's getting out of, got us out of Iraq and Afghanistan, etc. In other words, do not believe for a second that these demonstrations, that these marches don't have an actual political effect. Because every congressman now in Washington, you don't think they were watching on Saturday? You don't think when they go to their town meetings now, they're not going to be concerned and say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't cut uh, Obamacare until there really is an adequate replacement? This has an effect. They all want to be reelected two years from now. Their loyalty is not going to be to Trump. They want to keep their job. And they see, they see where women are in America. They see where the minorities are in America. They see what the demographics are in America. And many of us are saying, no. There was a reason Trump didn't win the popular vote, because that doesn't represent America. We're better than that. We're a country where it shouldn't matter where you're from, what religion you have, what color your skin is. It shouldn't matter what your gender is. We ought to have equality in America and give the middle class and lower income people a chance of making it and not have the government just for the very, very, very rich. That's the message of these marches. And I'm telling you, read history. They do work. Yeah. <laughs>
Hey, let's bring Casey Campbell up here. And as we mentioned at the top of the program, Casey Campbell is one of our own. He is our music coordinator. He's wired yes. into acts all across the country and as well as locally because there's a lot of low-hanging fruit in these parts. But Casey is also uh, a performer uh, of his own and performs in a group called the Price Hill Hustle, Bu Buffalo Wobs and the Price Hill Hustle, and does some solo performing. He has his own uh, CD, and is it vinyl as well? or Nope. Okay, but and that's called what, Casey? That uh, Care of General Delivery. Okay, yeah. and if people want to get that, how do they do that? Can they go uh, where? iTunes. Uh, you can listen to it on Spotify. You can buy it via my website or uh, via CD Baby or, like I said, iTunes as well. So. What, what's your website? Uh, uh, Casey Campbell Music, all one word, dot com. Okay, and uh, we've asked Casey to... How do you spell it all one word? <laughs> <laughs> Such a smart ass, isn't he, Casey? <laughs> I was like that in school. I was like that in school. Uh, <laughs> hey, Casey, uh, do a song for us. All right, we'll do. I'll do a song called Indiana. It's written about the great state of Indiana uh, with my friend Stephen J. Williams. It goes like this.
Tennessee painted roller coasters and it's so fine when the climb got steep. Oh, mm. yeah. Here's something that is and not, yeah, not I, known. Yeah, go ahead. Doug. I just wanted to say, uh, and, and you did that left-handed. I did. The whole thing. <laughs> uh, David was whispering something in my ear, and I sort of lost what was going on. But uh, <laughs> Casey, yeah. little-known fact is uh, you have been trained or you spent your early years playing jazz. Is that correct? I did, yeah. Um, my first instrument was saxophone. Um, I, I started playing when I was probably 11 or 12 and played all through you know, the school band, as a lot of people do, and then I played uh, saxophone through, ja uh, through uh, jazz studies. I did big band and combo stuff. My first band ever, I was, I was 18 years old and I was in a funk band uh, playing tenor saxophone and alto saxophone. And, wow. Uh, I played, yeah, I played jazz all through college. It helped pay my way, and that was down in uh, Alabama, Jacksonville State University, a small little school down there. And All right. Yeah. Do I switched over to a guitar because I wanted to be able to sing and play at the same time. You can't do that with a saxophone shoved in your mouth. <laughs> so. Hey, do a second song for us, would we'll you, Casey? Do. Yeah. Thank you. This is a new one here, <clears throat> unrecorded yet. It's called Oh Ramona. Casey Campbell. When my baby left town about a week ago, she took all my bacon and she took all my soul. Well, she took all my dishes and she took all my pans and she gotta get my loving from some other's hands. I said, oh, Ramon, oh, baby, won't you come back home? Said I miss your sweet cooking And I'm tired of eating alone I said, oh, Ramona Oh, darling, don't you leave me so blue I said, I miss your sweet cooking There ain't nobody's half as good as you Oh, boom, boom, boom. Well, I love your bread And I love your peas And yours the sweetest honey That I ever did see and I love your ham and your biscuits too I tried to eat another but another won't do I said oh Ramon Oh baby won't you come back home I said I miss your sweet cooking And I'm tired of eating alone I said oh Ramon Oh darling don't you leave me so blue I said I miss your sweet cooking Ain't nobody's half as good as you Oh, bum, 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 bum. 
That's Casey Campbell. You can uh, get his music at CaseyCampbellMusic.com. That's correct. That right? All one word. All, All one, one word. word. <laughs> and uh, by the way, if you're following us tonight on Facebook Live, we had sort of a technical glitch, but we're back up. So we were on oh, down. Oh, uh, likely story. Uh, but we got it. Oh. Hey, Casey. Thanks, Trump. Take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't cut it in the middle of what my time. Yeah, yeah, that's too. right. Hey, uh, take us out on uh, that old spiritual, oh. that old anti-war song down That's by right. the riverside. Yeah, we're going to switch Because we are up. down by the riverside. That's right. We're right by the Ohio River. Literally. Because hey, uh, Irene's already asleep. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. We said goodnight to her long ago. All right. So yeah, uh, Jerry Spring will jump in on the second All right. All here right. we go. Jerry, hold on to your hat. Okay, All here right. we go. Let's go. Well, I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Way down, down by the riverside I'm going to lay down my heavy load, y'all Down by the riverside Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. Sword and shield.